0: Foundation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. for our weekly discussion. From Genesis all the way through to Revelation, let's read the entire Bible in 2021 with The Bible Unmasked.
1: Welcome. My name's Elizabeth Thomas, and welcome to Bible Unmasked. We're so glad you joined us again today, and I want to welcome our beloved Pastor Dexter Thomas. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we're glad to have you here too. <laughs> okay, as you know, the Bible Unmasked, we have been reading through the Bible um, this year of 2021, and here we are coming to the end of the. Old Testament, that's um, coming up here, we're in the Minor Prophets, and uh, we air our shows every Sunday evening at 7.30, and um, sign up and subscribe with PlantationSDA.TV, and then you will get notified as well, at church they notify you what the next reading is. When you are reading, um, you want to spread it out because it's a lot to just read in one one sitting um, and write down those questions as you are reading. And please text those questions to us because we'd love um, to answer them from our pastors that we have in our local church here. They um, rotate throughout every week. And I'm going to give you that number to text. It's nine five four. 388-8780. 388-8780. And I will give that to you again at the end. So last week we had um, Daniel 6 to Amos 4 was studied and shared. Um, could you maybe just give us a quick little recap of that? please? That was
0: some deep waters um, because from Daniel, Daniel 6 is the last chapter in the, in the narrative part of the book, but from chapter 7 to 12, you go into um, the four beasts, the twenty three hundred days, um, the warfare between Michael um, and the enemy. Then you go into the Prince of the North and the Prince of the South. Um, then you go to the one hundred and thirty five day prophecy. So, and I like I like these amazing presenters. God has blessed Plantation Church with awesome pastors. Um, men and women of God. Um, I love how they were able to enlighten our minds. Uh, and then I love when we um, got into Hosea. I, I, um, in my thematic um, Bible study guide, I call Hosea um, Invitations to Intimacy with God. And that's what I loved about that experience last week, that the curtains were drawn back And we got a more beautiful, amazing picture of the depth and the richness of the relentless pursuit of Christ after us as we have, you know, with our whoring hearts, God is still hungry to love us out of our mess.
1: Thank you for that recap. So now we are going to be doing today um, Amos five all the way to Habakkuk. So, um, if you just give us a quick recap, and then we will have our prayer to begin. Yeah,
0: this is the oh, and I forgot the book last week. We also covered the book of Joel, um, which speaks of. The, the dark day of the Lord, but it also speak, speaks about the priest weeping between the porch and the altar. Um, this week, we continue with the book of justice, the book of Amos, um, and then we, we dive into Obadiah, um, which deals with Edom, which is synonymous to Esau and their pridefulness. And then we, we jump over into Jonah, that runaway prophet, Um, followed by Micah. Um, Micah speaks with so much deep compassion from God. Um, And then you'll hear from Brother Naaman um, as he is wrestling with the Ninevites to repent. And then finally Habakkuk that speaks of violence and he's crying out against the, the hideous, hellish horrors that he is seeing and wondering how could God just look on you know, with pure eyes and not do something about it. Mm -hmm. That was a mouthful.
1: Okay. Let's have a word of prayer now. Go ahead.
0: God and friend, do your awesome thing today in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Amen. Okay. We want you to grab your Bibles with us so you can follow along. And um, if you have them, we're going to turn to the book of Amos. And that's near the end of the Old Testament. Here. In fact,
0: this this session, I think, no, this is the most books any presenter would would present in one setting. We're covering like five books. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again.
1: Okay, okay. So we have a lot good stuff. Okay, so if we open to Amos chapter five, verse twenty-four it says but let justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream well this verse became popular because of Martin Luther King his 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 speech of I have a dream so the question is is it a good summary of the gist of the book yeah
0: I I think it is I think it is because Amos like I said is a book of justice mm-hmm. Amos is crying out against oppression and one of the ugly terrible hermeneutical um malpractice that we engage with. And hermeneutics is basically the study of interpretation. One of the poor interpretations we have in Christianity today is that we don't realize that the prophet primary focus wasn't just immorality like we understand it. Sleeping around and smoking and drinking. Immorality for them included ignoring the needs of the oppressed. Standing idly by while people, while people are being taken advantage of, which is why the church needs to get into the social justice arena and make a difference. Let our voices be heard. All right, I'm done. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. Okay, let's go now to Amos chapter eight and verse five and six. Saying, when will the new moon be passed that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may trade our wheat? making the ephah small and the shekel large, falsifying the balances by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. Wow. Even sell the bad wheat. Or I guess that was a question. Even sell the bad wheat. Okay, are they, they are excited for the Sabbath to come to an end to do business. Is it similar to how we do our count? So Sabbath could end quickly so we could do our non-Sabbath activities.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know a lot of us have that experience, right? Uh-huh. Where we, we decide, especially in the summer, the Sabbath is so long. Mm. And we, we look at our, our stop clocks and we're like 10, right. 9, 8, and we're doing a countdown, Sabbath, hurry and finish. And, and anytime you find yourself in that place is because your, your experience of Sabbath is, is not a godly experience. Um, Sabbath should be a day of delight. In fact, the Romans pulled a nasty, ugly number on us when they encouraged people to fast on Sabbaths. I do not engage on Sabbath fasting with any church. No way. The Bible says Sabbath should be a feast, right? So I, I want your food and your potlucks on Sabbaths. Um, but yes, yeah, so, 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 so what happened here is that they were all different to us. A lot of us feel imprisoned by Sabbath you know, because it's boring and so on. Mm-hmm. And we don't plan to have joy on Sabbath, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember some, some of my friends saying, you know, don't do that with your daughter. Make Sabbath a day of celebration for her. You know, have special Sabbath toys, special Sabbath activities. Make her look forward to it. When is Sabbath coming again, you know? Mm-hmm. We, more of it. More of it. we don't do that. And mm-hmm. I don't even know when we'll start doing it, but mm-hmm. I, I do know I'm convicted of something that we need to do. You don't want people growing up with all the don'ts. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm straying a little bit. Here's what's happening. It's a little different to what they did. Mm. They wanted Sabbath to finish so they could take advantage of poor people. I mean, you, you, read, that, you read that verse in verse six, they mm-hmm. wanted to sell the poor for a pair of sandals for crying out loud. Yeah, they couldn't wait for the sun to set so they could engage in evil. This is very similar I'm trying not to be controversial, but you all are pushing me. This is very similar to Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, where it has been, it has the the interpretation of this passage, which is church tradition and not scripture. It's a terrible way of interpreting pleasure on my holy day. Pleasure had nothing to do with going to the beach and swimming, um, or or having marital bliss with your spouse, nothing to do with that, or a ball game, nothing. Now, I'm okay, you know, if our church tradition said, look, let's not do sports, let's not look at the U.S. Open on Sabbaths. I'm good with that, right? I grew up like that. I follow those practices. But is it biblical? It's not biblical. It's not biblical. That pleasure on my holy day, the context of Isaiah had to do with your work and your relation to people who are oppressed. Mm-hmm. That's what it had to do with. Blow, blow a trumpet, call a true fast, which is feeding the hungry and clothing the naked, right? So it's the same thing with Amos. Mm-hmm. It's the same issue, right? They, they waited for Sabbath to finish instead of allowing Sabbath to recondition their thinking, mm-hmm. right? They they, they 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 took Sabbath as just a pause from their practice of injustice, and God hated it.
1: Right. Okay.
0: That that got me off on the deep end.
1: <laughs> okay, well, let's keep going and. Let's go to the book of Obadiah. Oh man,
0: one chapter. chapter.
1: I know when I was going through Shortest this, book in
0: the whole Old Testament. For
1: some reason I didn't realize that and I was like, oh, it's done. <laughs> okay, let's go to our question from there. Obadiah, what's, what's the difference between Esau and Edom and why is God so angry with them?
0: Yeah, no difference. Um, Esau... Um, His descendants are called the people, um, are are called the Edomites, right? And you know, Esau was obviously related to, that was Jacob's brother, Mm -hmm. right? So they're related. But Esau, Edom, what they did when Israel was being destroyed and people were fleeing, they ran after them and persecuted them, Mm -hmm. hurt them, killed them, you know? And God got angry. God is like, look, I could give you permission to scold my people, but don't overdo it. Mm-hmm. Because if you overdo it, I'm coming after you. Mm-hmm. And this is what they did, right? They kicked a man when he was dumb. And, and in, in sh- should I give my little advertisement about innovativeoutreach.com, uh, where you could go and get our free Discovering Hope in 66 Places where we study the Bible through themes? Mm-hmm. For, for Obadiah, I use the theme, maximizing my influence for good. Why did I use that theme? They had some influence and they used it terribly. All of us have influence. Don't use it like that. That's why God was angry. People who are entrusted to you, people that God might even give you a word to scold somebody, don't overdo it. Scold them, call sin by its name, but then call righteousness by its name and tell them about a loving savior.
1: Okay. I'm going to read um, from verse 14 here. It says, You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those among them who escaped, nor should you have delivered up those among them who remained in the day of distress. And I think
0: you will want to read verse 15 also.
1: For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your reprisal shall return upon your own head.
0: And 16, one more, sorry.
1: Sorry. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall all the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow and they shall be as though they had never been.
0: Mm. Wow. And and I think, so you could probably skip the other question because I, I think this summarizes what I just said. Oh. You know, that they took advantage. People were leaving, they were fleeing, let them go. Mm. They were beating them dumb. And God is like, I hate that. Mm. I hate that. All right, okay. let's jump to the to my one of my all time favorite books in the entire Bible.
1: Ah, so the
0: Runaway Prophet. The,
1: the Book of Jonah. This is actually the book when we first were dating. That we, oh mercy, that's right. Uh, oh this mercy, is our first Bible study. Yeah, book yeah, yeah.
0: That's right. That's right. That we right. ever did. So Jonah should have some romantic connotations for us. Hallelujah. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, oh boy. Okay. Let's go to Jonah 1 verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Question How could you run from God's presence? Yes, that was my question. Did God bully Jonah and what? happens to his free will
0: yeah so two questions wow all right um yeah that's a that's you know let me just say this rebelliousness always leads to skewed thinking you you're not processing well when you have chosen to go against God how could you run from the presence of the all-seeing God you know I mean Jonah didn't read Psalms 139 whether you're in hell God is there. You, you go to the tallest place, God is there. He sees you lying down and you're, you know what I mean? It's kind of similar to Adam trying to run from God's presence.
1: Right, that's true.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's impossible, but that's skewed sinful thinking. And, and let me show you all how messed up and jacked up Jonah's thinking was. Dude is, is he, he tells the sailors at the end of chapter one that he's running from the creator of the sea in the sea. they're like Jonah we should smack you that's what you need a blow how could you run from the creator of the sea in the sea no you dig a tunnel do like Elon Musk and have the boring company and dig a tunnel not the sea but that's how illogical we become when we decide to become rebellious and turn our backs on God, it's scary for me. I always want to live in his presence mm-hmm. because in his presence, there's fullness of joy.
1: Right. Or is it really that they didn't have an understanding of God or
0: not? No, I, I don't think that's the issue here with Jonah. Oh. I really think sin blinded him. Oh. Sin, sin caused his frontal lobe to almost implode. Right. You know, his sense, his ability to make, you know, like how people before 25, the frontal lobe is not fully de- developed. That that thing that could assess risk and that could make proper judgment calls. Mm-hmm. Jonah, somehow he reverted, man. Mm-hmm. And the, the follow up question about God um, impeding Jonah's will. It's a good question because it's almost of God, uh, like God was boxing the man in, almost bullying him, you know, Um Jonah tried to kill himself by telling the guys to throw him in the sea. Right. God sends a, a, a big fish, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, so it's like Jonah couldn't even run. And guess where the fish threw him? It threw him close to the liver. You know, it didn't even throw him in Tarshish, which was Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like God was trying to hem and him. But however, let, let me just say this. Not because God heavily pursues you, not because he create um, and allow circumstances to woo you and draw you to himself, you are always left with an option to say no. Because notice, the the fish didn't drop Jonah in the heart of Nineveh. Mm
1: -hmm. It
0: was a three-day walk. Jonah could have thrown himself back in the sea.
1: Right.
0: You know, so he still had an option. But I mean, after all that shaking up, he's like, you know what? The other option doesn't look good.
1: Right. I guess it shows also that, you know, God still doesn't, I don't know, I just think about some of my uh, relatives who, you know, they say, oh, I don't believe in God. And they, they've they really pushed God out of the way, um, you know, um, how, you know, but yet here is Jonah, I guess maybe God knew that he would still come around. And, you know, like, where does that line drawing, I guess I'm Trying to figure that out with that word bullying, and
0: yeah, I, that,
1: I, and that free will.
0: Yeah, well, well, if if you think about this, God pursued other people more than he pursued Jonah, mm-hmm. and a lot of them still turned their backs on him. Look at Israel, mm-hmm. for an example. Look at Israel for an example. Mm-hmm. He ran after that nation, ran after Judah, mm-hmm. and yet still they said to God over and over, "No, thank you."
1: Right.
0: So, so jo- Jonah seems extreme. Um, because, you know, um, he responded to the call. And we'll get to that with one of the other questions.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. Let's go to Jonah 1 verse 11. And verse 11 says, Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous.' How should Jonah have answered the sailors when they asked what to do with him? Well, maybe I should... That he answered by saying, "Pick me up and throw me into the sea." Yeah, yeah. So, how should he have answered?
0: Right, Jonah was a wicked, good-for-nothing, low-down X and Y. <laughs> and let me tell you something, man. This man, this man, really, really spent God's grace loosely. Mm-hmm. Because what Jonah was saying to them, no, first of all, first of all, what Jonah was saying to them is to kill him. That's what he was saying. Jonah wasn't going in the sea hoping to find a submarine that God sent. Jonah wanted to drown. And and based on his behavior, he deserved it. Were it not for grace, right? Mm -hmm. Were it not for grace. So so Jonah told him to kill him. Jonah painted such an ugly and awful picture of Jehovah. What Jonah was saying is, 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 is the God who created heaven and earth needs human sacrifice. Jonah, how could you do that? to the character of God. He was painting God like he was Satan. Mm. What Jonah should have done, because the people said, look, the storm is coming because you disobey God. Jonah should have simply said, turn the ship and take me to Nineveh. Mm. That's all he should have said. We're on our way to Spain. We're going to Tarshish, turn the thing around, and boom, I believe that the, the water would have been, become calm immediately. Because that's the power of obedience. Right. And they would have gotten a better, healthier, holier, pitier of our heavenly father. Right. You would
1: he would have been witnessing to those sailors then yeah. too.
0: No, no, mind you. And I'm happy you said that. Because listen, man, our God in the midst of our, in spite of our sinfulness, mm-hmm. he still has a way of allowing his, 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 his light to shine. Mm-hmm. Because these people had a broken image of God based on what Jonah showed. But the God that they saw through Jonah was still better than the idols because it said, you know, after the throw of the joker overboard, Mm -hmm. that they began to to make vows and worship the God of heaven.
1: They saw that power. Yeah. Right. Okay, let's keep going in Jonah to chapter three, verse seven and eight. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. So the question is the animals are fasting and wearing the morning garments. Did they think animals could repent? Yeah, why wow. would they do that with the animals? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I I, had a funny exchange. Um, I am holding the fourth dung for Lyndon um, with his Sabbath school class. And um, um, Carlos Duncan, our old treasurer, old assistant treasurer, asked about the animals. You know, and their, their, their repentance, why did they go in sackcloth and ashes? And Leanne, another member of the class says, um, um, <laughs> does Carlos realize that someone else had to put the sackcloth on the animals? They didn't put it for themselves, right? We were just teasing each other. That was like a really funny exchange. Um, I think, you know, the book of Jonah is so amazing. I, I, think, I love this book. Um, because it's, it deals with animals in ways that no other book in the Bible deals with animals. In fact, at the end of the book, when God points out Jonah's, Jonah's mm-hmm. grief over the death of a, of a plant, while he is hoping, uh, while he is sad about the, the lives of the repentant Ninevites, God pointed to the animals. He said, look, it's 120,000 people and also animals, mm. you know? So it shows that God has a precious, God values animals. So all you pet lovers, Jonah is your book. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but but, but to, to answer the question, it, no, I don't think they thought animals could repent. What they wanted to, they wanted to send a strong message, because this is an edict from the king, right? Right. They wanted to send a strong message that everything needs to be sober. Mm -hmm. No, no, no happy mutt, no Scooby-Doo jumping around, licking people's faces, no happy dances, no, no um, seawool where dolphins are flipping. no. Everything needs to be somber. This is heartbroken business. We have sinned. The prophet has spoken. We want salvation. That's how hungry these people were. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So the book of Jonah ends here though. And it ends in a very open-ended way um, where the, um, where we don't know what happens in the book. So is there a reason for it being so open-ended? Yeah,
0: that's a, that's a good question too because jo- we don't know if Jonah repented. You know, the book leaves, the book ends with a question where God is like, dude, you're you, you wanting to die because a plant that you weren't responsible for died, but you don't give a hoot about all these people who has my breath in them. It ends with that question where God is like chastising and scolding him. Let me tell you my strong conviction. The author of the book tells us how the book ends. And Jonah is the author. And I think Jonah, Jonah, Jonah. as much as I want to beat him up when I read the book and his rebelliousness, but Jonah is such, he has such an amazing courage to write this story of his ugly rebelliousness. Yeah? So, so I believe Jonah wrote his own story because Jonah came to deep repentance. And what Jonah wanted to show all of us is the hideous nature of prejudice and hatred. He hated the Ninevites so badly that he preferred to die than to see them repent and find God.
1: Okay, good. We're gonna keep going now to our next book, the book of Micah. And um, read um, chapter to this prediction about Jesus being born in Bethlehem is there another interpretation for this right would he have known that it was the coming Christ he was referring to oh
0: right okay, so so, so the, ver- the the verses out of thee O Bethlehem Ephrata, shall um you know a ruler emerge shall a ruler come forth and uh, This is 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 an interesting question because like when Isaiah um, chapter seven spoke about, um, you know, a virgin shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name um, Emmanuel, which means God with us. That has a dual meaning because Isaiah's son, Isaiah's wife became pregnant um, and, and virgin then didn't mean it simply meant a young woman. Right. So that had a a immediate meaning and it also had a futuristic application. So I guess the the, the question then is asking, does this also apply in Micah? I do not see how, um, because he's specific when he speaks about a ruler coming forth. Um, so So it would not have been a ruler in his day. And there's another characteristic he also mentioned about that ruler. All right.
1: Okay. So did Micah have geographical insights when in seven nineteen? So I should go to seven nineteen. He spoke of God casting our sins in the depths of the sea. I'll read it here. He will. I mean, he will again have compassion on us, and he will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. I know I've always liked hearing that.
0: Oh my gosh, that is a. For
1: them, the sea is very deep. Hello, <laughs> hello.
0: In 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 fact, I heard a story about. Um, if y'all could let me give a preaching anecdote, a story about uh, a a father, you know, um, you know, you, you know, helped his son get to Harvard, and the son brought home one summer some of his big shot friends. I mean, you know, and they were just in the in the dining room, kind of discussing all these you know, high-minded issues. And then the father, you know, he was um, reading a Bible while they were chit-chatting. And then the father came across this Micah seven nineteen, you know, God would cast all sins in the depths of the sea. And the father, in the middle of the, the guys having their highfalutin conversation, the father's like, hallelujah! And the son was like, dad, what is wrong? Please, you're embarrassing me. Uh, and the father said, well, son, I have to apologize. Sorry about that. But I'm reading over here in... Um, you, you know, I was just reading my Bible and reading about God's amazing love. And, and so then, you know, the, the father, the son accepted the apology. So then they, they they moved the son skillfully, moved away from the Bible in the dining room and he moved to the library, you know, their little study. And, and he, he gave the father, since the father was just hanging out with them, he gave them another book besides the Bible. He gave him like a, a an atlas. He said, Dad, why don't you check this out? while you know, as we're discussing. And then a few minutes had gone and The father just shouted, hallelujah, again. I said, so like, oh goodness, father, dad, please, you're embarrassing us. And the father said, well, son, I really, really apologize. But man, I got, this thing got so good to me. I'm like, the father's son is like, what? How could an atlas make you get all religious like that? And the father's like, well, son, you see, when I was in the dining room, I was reading the Bible and it says here in Micah seven nineteen that God will cast all sins in the depth of the sea. And then I'm reading this atlas and it says that there are some seas that have no bottom. Hallelujah! So I had to shout hallelujah. But um, no, 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 I definitely don't think so. To answer the question, no. He didn't have any geographical thing. The point he was making is when God forgives you, it is permanent. Mm. It's, it's similar to um, Psalms 103 that says, you know, as far as the east is from the west, Mm-hmm. That's how far he takes his sin away from us. So it gives us hope. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. It gives us hope in the, in the powerful, cleansing blood of Jesus.
1: Mm. Yes. Amen. <laughs> okay, let's go to Nahum chapter 1 and verse 1. The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the El Koshite. And now Nineveh, this is me going to now Jonah. You think about Jonah is where we were introduced to this country of Nineveh or these people. And here we are. And now what's happening to these Ninevites? Well, it's is this the question? Is this the same Nineveh with Jonah? Oh, did Jonah and Nahum know each other?
0: Yeah, okay yeah, very much. Yeah, um, it's the same Nineveh, which is the capital of Syria, right? Mm. Um, it's the same Nineveh. Okay. Jonah and Nahum did not know each other because they prophesied 150 years apart from each other. Okay. But what's what's remarkable about Nahum is it again illustrates the dogged pursuit of God's love for broken humanity. And it's, again, it reminds us, especially us who like to see ourselves as a remnant people, um, that, that the, 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 the concept of remnant was not the whole idea of you are so special because you're chosen. The, con- the biblical concept of remnant is you are remnant because you have an assignment from God. Remnanthood had to do with the, the the calling on your life, and not the specialness of your status. I'm saying that to say the Ninevites. This is 150 years later. They had backslidden from that great awakening that Jonah brought, and God sending another voice to plead with them. That's his rich. That's the richness of his love. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, everybody. This is good stuff, man. The minor prophets, they wake me up.
1: Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> okay, let's go to Nahum 2 verse 4. The chariots rage in the streets. They jostle one another in the broad roads. They seem like torching. They run like lightning. So this is speaking of chariots raging in the street. Is he predicting modern cars. Yeah, that,
0: that's one fascinating verse in Amos. Another popular verse people usually use is um, that iniquity will not rise and rise a second time. And they usually use that to say, well, they won't have sin after we are all redeemed. Uh, this is, I, you know, I don't really know the answer. But I, it sounds like it, doesn't it? Because chariots, I mean, chariots are not that fast. Uh, with all those flashing lights, it just sounds like he might be predicting the modern car. Right.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. But that's speculative.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, Let's go now to the book of Habakkuk. One verse three. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and content and contention there is strife and contention arises. So here he cries out to God. And how did God answer him?
0: Yeah, wow. God answered him by telling him, if you think you have seen violence, you ain't seen nothing yet. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to show more violence. The Babylonians are coming and they're cruel and they'll commit more violence. Um, I, so when you read that, you're like, God, how is that comforting the brother? Mm-hmm. But then God didn't end there. Because God then turns to to, to to verse 4 of chapter 2 and said, look, dude, you got to have faith. The just shall live by faith. This is where um, Romans got the passage from. And the faith that I am bigger than the violence, mm-hmm. you know, um, I could deliver from the violence. That's why when you jump down to... Verse fifteen of Habakkuk two, he says, "Look, the whole earth one day is going to be filled with the knowledge and the glory of God and glorious character, God's character, um, you know." And then our favorite verse in, in in verse seventeen of chapter three, though though the olive might fail, though the fig might might not produce, yet I will hope and trust in God. Yeah. So the 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 the, the, the at the end of the day, God was saying, "I am bigger than the evil around you." I'm bigger than the hatred and the hellish conditions you might be faced with. Have hope in me.
1: Mm -hmm. And that is a perfect spot to end in, to continue having hope in God. Amen. Since that was our last question, we are going to end now. So next week... um, They're actually going to go into one of my favorite books, one of my favorite verses in there. So that's the book of Zephaniah. I like Zephaniah 317. Um, So you want to read for next week, the book of Zephaniah, all the way into Matthew chapter 4, going into the New Testament. And um, again, thank you for joining us. And um, you want to... As you're reading, write down those questions and text them to us to 954-388-8780. We love to hear from our viewers. And um, so please send those questions in. And um, even though we are like, um, we're not halfway, we're further than halfway, even though we're um, on this journey still already for, uh, we still have a few more months left. And so invite your friends, invite your family. yes to join in and watch and, and open their eyes to discovering more of the Bible. And
0: and don't forget to go to innovativeoutreach.com and download your free, I, I journey you through the Bible also for the entire year through themes, right? Um, so like like my theme for Habakkuk is trusting God when evil reigns. My theme for um, Micah is you know, um, cultivating a heart of compassion. It's mm-hmm. so beautiful when you read the Bible through themes. So so coming up, you see, we have Zephaniah mm-hmm. and it, it it really deals with the need to have and cultivate a repentant heart. And he calls judgment because a lot of Zephaniah's audience, they thought that they could worship God and then treat people like filth. And God had a hard time accepting that. Then you go to Haggai, which you had a bunch of people just slacking off um, when God was calling them to rebuild the temple. Is Haggai is the most successful, one of the most successful prophets in the Bible, mm. because he actually got the people's heart to turn around and he got them working. They built that. They built that temple in fifty-two days. Hmm. It was. It was uh, to use a political term. It was warp speed. Right. Warp speed. Um, And then Malachi again, Zachariah Sorry, um, I love to call that hope, visions of hope and encouragement. You know, um, he was with Haggai, you know, stirring and stimulating the people, um, getting the governor and the high priest on board. And and so his visions are visions of encouragement. So you want to read that? Look at those imagery he's showing, A, a, a man with a measuring line, you know, to, to, to map out what Jerusalem is going to look like. That's vision. That's looking forward in the future when the, when the city was still broken down, mm-hmm. yeah? And Malachi now deals with their hypocrisy where they would bring a broken lamb um, to try to sacrifice it to God. God is like, give that to your governor and see if he'd like that. Mm -hmm. And then Matthew, where we deals with Jesus, the servant King. So you have good stuff coming up, lock into the word, share it with a friend, like, like sister Thomas is saying, and let, let, let's spread the blessing.
1: Yes. Okay. Let's end now with prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you again for this time in your word where we have um, been able to gather more information and, There's always so much more we can learn and understand. So I pray that those who are watching and listening to this, that their hearts may be moved as they continue to read your word. And may you continue to bless us all. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Plantation SDA Church presents The Bible Unmasked. Read your Bible daily and join us every Sunday at 7.30 p.m. For our weekly discussion, from Genesis all the way through to Revelation, let's read the entire Bible in 2021
1: with the Bible Unmasked.